think we have all seven members present. So I'll just, and we're recording, we're good. Okay, there will be a Medford School Committee meeting, Committee of the Whole on Monday, June 1st from 4 to 5.30 p.m. by Zoom, pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12, 2020 order, suspending certain provisions of the open meeting law, chapter 30A, section 18, and the governor's March 15, 2020 order imposing strict limitations on the number of people that may gather in one place. This meeting of the Medford School Committee will be conducted via remote participation to the greatest extent possible. Specific information and the general guidelines for remote participation by members of the public and or parties with the right and or requirement to attend this meeting can be found on the City of Medford website at www.medfordma.org. For this meeting, members of the public who wish to listen or watch the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link contained herein. No in-person attendance of members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access the proceedings in real time via technological means. In the event that we are unable to do so, despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Medford or Medford community media websites an audio or video recording transcript or other comprehensive record of proceedings as soon as possible after the meeting. The meeting can be viewed through Medford Community Media on Comcast Channel 22 and Verizon Channel 43 at 4 p.m. Since the meeting will be held remotely, participants can log or call in by using the following link or call-in number. One of the call-in numbers is 929-205-6099. Please enter this ID when prompted, 933-3249-0620. Additionally, questions or comments can be submitted during the meeting by emailing medfordsc at medford.k12.ma.us. Those submitting must include the following information, your first and last name, your Medford Street address, your question or comment. There will be a Committee of the Home meeting on June 1st from 4 to 5.30 p.m. by Zoom. The agenda, um, the purpose of the meeting is to discuss and review the entire budget for all the Medford Public School Departments. Review proposed program reductions for cost savings. Dr. Maurice Edward Vincent, Superintendent of Metro Public Schools. We have Ms. Patterson on the line, who I believe. Um, we should do a roll call, Mayor. Yes, roll call. Uh, member Jenny Graham. Here. Member Kathy Kretz. Here. Member Melanie McLaughlin. Here. Member Mia Mastone. Here. Paul, member Paul Rousseau. Present. Member Paulette Vanderkloot, present. Mayor Luongo Kern. Present, seven the year, present, zero absent. Please rise to salute the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United, United States, States of America and, and to the republic for which it stands, one, one nation, nation under God, under God indivisible, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Ms. Patterson, I think you have prepared screen share. Yes. Uh, let me get to that. And okay, so we are uh, providing a list of program and departmental reductions. Um, again, with the uh, 
end results as a level funded budget from fiscal year 2020. And this was in working with the uh, administration, department heads, building principals and the like. And these are recommendations, um, notwithstanding any major personnel decisions or impacts in that regard. These are strictly programmatic um, areas that have been identified and um, each are available for discussion as we go through and review um, some potentials. So in the first category, the programs of uh, school committee and finance, there were some identified potential savings of uh, $91,994. And if we look at, um, you know, as we are in a collective group of trying to identify some resources and reductions, if the school committee were to entertain either a reduction and or a one-time um, offset of their stipend, um, that would be a $88,200 uh, savings for one year. The $3,794 was identified within the finance uh, area for non-unit staff um, and identifying a zero um, in that category as well. At the high school level, we identified $99,630 for the uh, building-based subs. They currently have two full-time building-based subs. There were six openings for those positions. And by simply not hiring for those six positions and just utilizing a daily sub pool, there would be $99,630 of savings in the high school category. Mayor? Member Roussel? Thank you. Do we want to go through all this and then start at the beginning and begin having conversations or do we want to go as we, I, I can go either way. Yeah, maybe the full presentation and then we can ask questions if that works. Works for me, thank you. The middle schools, um, the Andrews and McGlynn both identified um, amounts that had been incorporated for Chromebooks and Study Island. Um, the Chromebooks, there's going to be some major infusions of technology from various outside sourcing, including some grant funding. And if they, they were um, a potential for Study Island, as um, something that could be uh, given up just in lieu of trying to identify some savings and or their PTOs could identify uh, funding those programs at the middle school level. So the two middle schools, we had $24,000 of savings identified here. The elementary schools, each building identified uh, 3,000 from supplies and $2,000 from textbooks, which is a $5,000 savings from each building, a total of $20,000 savings for all elementary school levels. The ELL program has a known retirement that we identified the direct offset amount um, a savings in some SEI materials and textbooks, which totaled $44,221. Uh, 
And that again is uh, working with the program director of the ELL department. Special education, we are looking to do prepaid out of district tuitions for the summer months. Uh, Mass General Law does allow three months of prepayments um, that can be done with the fiscal year 20 funding, which will allow us to reduce the ask for fiscal year 21. It does not mean that these costs are going away. It's just the uh, method in how we are paying for those costs so that we can reserve the circuit breaker and the IDEA funding at this time and reduce the fiscal year 21 ask. And with that and the additional office supplies, we have a $203,000 savings identified within special education. The vocational category, we had some significant savings. The identified out of district tuitions that we pay uh, has gone drastically uh, down thanks to the efforts of the vocational uh, program and uh, keeping students in and recruiting others. So we only have one uh, student attending Essex and one at the Minuteman. So we were able to have a savings offset of $100,000. We also have some maintenance of equipment. A lot of the equipment is being um, replaced and or programmatic changes are giving a one year um, relief of $20,000 in that category. We had a small savings of $2,000 for the copier lease expense. And we've identified $20,000 of instructional supplies that can be offset and utilized from the shop revolving funds that they have done outside work and uh, had those funds in their identified program areas to offset the fiscal year 21 budget ask. So total savings for the vocational area is 142,000. The English Language Arts and Social Studies programs, we have identified uh, $50,000 in the instructional supplies for a one-year wait on these um, major purchases, given the uh, science program area and math that were already in contracts. So we have uh, additional social studies instructional support and textbooks that we were able to identify 10,000 in each of those line items. So for the humanities, we had uh, $70,000 identified savings in program costs. Math and science, again, were already contracted within these categories, but we were able to identify um, 3,750 in savings within the textbooks line items for both departments. Fine Arts, Phys Ed and Health, we were able to identify 12,600 in savings um, for the Fine Arts Transportation category and supplies. There was a number of items that were already purchased in FY20 and um, not utilized in the last quarter. So those can be held on in reserve for fiscal year 21 and therefore reducing the Fine Arts request by 12,600. The health and phys ed supplies and textbooks, uh, we were able to identify 8,500 as a savings and for both programs, 21,100 in savings. 
library media, we have identified 53,000 in the media supplies and textbooks account. The library and media will be infused with grant funding and other outside sources that they've continued to receive additional uh, device purchases and therefore reducing that particular account by the 50,000 and $3,000 in textbooks um, for the fiscal year 21 request. The nursing category, we do have a confirmed retirement, which will be uh, savings of 23,067. And again, this is just um, the savings on that particular retirement and it will be a replaced position. Additionally, there is nursing equipment that will be um, held off for purchase in the amount of $3,000. So for these two programs, we have an identified savings of $79,067. Transportation, the actual yellow bus bid came in lower than projection. So there was a savings of $11,375. The 5,000 for officials is level funding and the athletic transportation is level funded, each of those savings $5,000 per line. And the buildings and grounds category, we had already previously uh, reduced some of the requests in the original budget um, request, but we are looking at just level funding the custodial overtime to be consistent with the fiscal year 20 uh, request. And these three categories have a total savings of $26,375. So as we review just the program-based reductions, each of the categories, I've highlighted the amounts and bringing us to the total savings or reductions from the original ask was $755,137. The column on the right is what we are showing as some additional potential reductions. If we are able to work with the collective bargaining units and everybody agrees to a 0% COLA, which means no cost of living adjustments for fiscal year 21, that value is estimated at roughly 1.3 million in uh, additional savings. A retirement incentive um, potential, just a rough calculation for some of the, the units and having a salary incentive with the offsetting salary cost would be $300,000 in savings. So an additional $1.6 million for potential savings that's not directly impacting the staffing which is what our goal was to identify. And for both of those categories, we have 2.3 million in additional reductions, getting us um, close to what we need to cut based on a level funded budget request from fiscal year 20. And that is all of the categories and happy to go back to individual slides and departments for questions, comments. Member Rousseau. Thank you. Um, I'm gonna start at the beginning, not necessarily where it's most urgent, but I thought 
that makes the most sense. Um, I, uh, I guess I'm a little surprised that the school committee uh, stipend, which is already one third what city council stipend is for an equal amount of work, is even on this list. Um, if city council and all elected officials in Medford give up their pay, I'm more than happy to do the same. Um, but, you know, school committee puts in an exorbitant amount of time and uh, our pay is already uh, disproportionately low for the amount of work compared to other elected officials in Medford. So um, I'm a little surprised by that item being on there at all. Um, can we go back to the beginning though? Cause it's kind of hard to remember what each slide said. Thank you. Um, what is the, I'm not sure what the non-unit co zero COLA is in this section here. This just means there are, there were some non-unit um, salaries that were part of the original budget and uh, just taking out any cost of living amount that had been projected in that original program area, the finance area. Um, so this is not, so this isn't that these, um, they're non-unit, so they don't have to agree to it. Correct. That, okay. Um, and, um, I don't know if we want to go slide by slide and let the other members speak. Uh, what if I, I have a question on this one? Member Vindicloot. Yes, so on the um, school committee, uh, the first thing that was identified, um, that is the six members of the school committee plus the uh, mayor. Um, yes. And uh, does the mayor receive the full uh, school committee stipend? So it's the same same stipend that the school committee members. Okay, and if I recall, the superintendent also receives a piece of stipend for meetings. Is that included or not? That That is not a stipend. Um, okay. That No. So the cost or the uh, expense line for different uh, participation of particular uh, professional development or uh, meetings is a different line item. It's not stipends. Okay. Um, so um, the other question that you, you have the uh, non-unit zero column, and then at the end you had the potential for discussions with the union. Um, is that uh, 0% um, or is it a, um, when you figured it out, you just figured out 0% so that we would be receiving nothing at all or would they would be receiving it the last day of the year uh, if we were able to negotiate that? Can you speak to that, Kirstine? Sure, so what discussions are um, throughout the Commonwealth is a 0% COLA, which means no cost of living increase. So all of our collective bargaining agreements have a two and a half and a one for fiscal year 21, which is a net of two and a half percent for the fiscal year 21. Zero COLA means no COLA, no two and a half percent. That is not taking into account the steps or lanes. So steps and lanes in this scenario would be honored the request or the 
just the potential showing a value of the COLA is what was uh, provided at the very last slide as a potential. So this so, was just a small amount that had been incorporated in the original request for the program 003 finance area. Okay. Um, do you want to wait for further discussions about the um, uh, last slide then with the COLA? It's up to, to you all. At the okay. Well, let me, let me um, ask a different question first. Um, here, I don't see any reductions of force listed, um, which uh, might, you know, we have, we have teachers who've been less with us less than three years. We have, there's other potential reductions of force that, that might be taken. Uh, those are not enumerated here at all. Correct. And that's what my disclosure and disclaimer was of this presentation to show program-based reductions identified and potential values of what could be derived from discussions with the units. And again, I, I don't have any crystal ball to identify if you know the city side or if our units would even agree to a 0% COLA. I just provided a dollar value as a discussion point and to say that these are these are areas that we are trying to mitigate loss of or reduction in force. So this was the attempt to show and illustrate what those values would be. Uh, yield to any colleagues who have questions at this point. Mayor, I don't know if you can see me. It's no, no, I can. Um, Member McLaughlin. Thank you. Um, also, just on the first slide, I wanted to let folks know who are watching in the community and um, other folks that the that the school committee stipend is roughly um, ten thousand dollars annually. Um, as Member Rousseau was saying, it's a third of um, other elected officials in the city and um, I want me I want to make sure that people understand what that is so that we're subdividing it a little bit but also I wanted to ask um, um, Christine Miss Patterson if included in this is also folks who have left during the year in terms of the budget or not so for example we know that you know the annual salary say of the mayor's I mean the superintendent's uh, executive assistant has been you know, uh, about three or four months off of that salary. So other people that have, may have left, there's other people that have left, teachers, what have you, have, has that been factored in or no? Well, yes, so the, the budget as presented with the staffing levels are reflective of what positions are being requested for fiscal year 21. So okay. right, rightfully, the fiscal year 20 will right. have some savings in particular line items where we might have had a resignation or early retirement, but the position is still there for the value going into fiscal 21. Right, but we're not, there's no way that we are seeing those savings that you're talking about for people that may have resigned or left or anything. For they're this. not included. They're not included in the request. So if they if they aren't here, they, they aren't part of the FY21 ask. Okay, thank you. Mayor? Member Graham. 
So does that mean that the superintendent will not be replacing her executive assistant in FY21? No, that's not the, the request for fiscal 21 included a position for the executive assistant for the superintendent. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> Member Graham. Um, I don't recall that the Chromebooks were in the middle school budget that we saw when we reviewed the middle school budget. So each of the buildings had requested a Chromebook cart? Yep. But I don't recall that it was in the budget. I thought it was on the list of items that would improve outcomes. We had included it in the original request. Um, okay. Trying to figure out where that is. It was under their instructional supplies. What department is this? 11? Yes. So their original request was, I believe, $28,000 for each building, and we reduced it by the 12. So I see, okay, so I see the 28,000, well, I see 28 and 35, is that, are those the numbers I should be looking at in the, oh, in the proposed budget, sorry, 28 and 28. And so we're, we're, we were saying, this was not clear to me at the time, that included in that $28,000 was supplies plus Chromebooks. Correct. Okay, in the future, hopefully that can be a little bit more clear. Um, Point of information. Point of information, Member Rousseau. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I print all of these documents that we get and I keep them collated in a binder that we, when we originally began this process, we were in person. Um, I don't know what, I mean, I, I have everything here, but I don't know what document Member Graham is looking at that serves a $28,000 anywhere. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at the um, the budget bill document that has everything in it, I think, that was oh, distributed to us last week. So I'm just looking at the numbers, but it doesn't, um, that latest version certainly doesn't call out that this is more than just the same kind of supplies that would be like in the elementary school bucket. Um, necessarily, uh, or that it includes Chromebooks. And I don't recall the narrative saying that that was included in the budget either. So, um, so uh, I guess in the end, what we're saying is that um, these schools only require $16,000 each for supplies next year. So I think it's important to, to understand that the department heads and building principals were very cognizant of trying to salvage positions. And they really, they, they tightened up the belt as much as they possibly could without losing core 
components of instruction delivery. So without identifying positions within their buildings, this was an identified area and the Chromebook purchases are being done and handled through the larger scope of the library media, which will also incorporate additional grant funding and other resources. So it was a recognized ability to provide an area for a reduction, not necessarily indicating that that's all it will take, but to say bare bones what we need to get by for fiscal year 21 is $16,000 in their instructional line. So I think um, maybe my question is, how does this harm student outcomes at the middle school? Um, and where will we get paper when we run out? Because I think to assume that the PTOs are gonna do any of this is really flawed. Um, PTOs have not been operating either <laughs> because they can't. So they are not raising money. Um, there is no, like, where does the paper come from in the middle of next year uh, at this proposal? So I, I appreciate the desire to keep staff. I'm just trying to be clear about whether this is really, this particular cut is a cut that the middle schools can make without Im impacting student outcomes. And if the answer is no, and we have to do it anyway, then I just want to be clear that the answer is no. So the initial answer is that we did not make any assumptions about PTO funding. They did identify that they are able to provide the level of instruction and testing with the amount of Chromebooks that they currently have and Chromebook cards. And there is also an identified um, replacement factor that the library media will have and incorporate. So to that extent, that is what was identified by the building principals for the middle schools. Point of information. Point of information, Member Rousseau. Thank you. Um, Ms. Patterson, when you say instruction and testing, when you say testing, what specifically does that even mean? So the MCAS testing. Okay, thank you. Kirstie? Yes. Um, so one of the things which is a little hard to grasp is that one of the, the concerns we have is we don't have enough Chromebooks. Um, and so now we're saying, well, but we can give up money for Chromebooks over here. Were any of the Chromebooks at the middle school Chromebooks that were given out to students um, already? I don't have the answer to that question. That that would be Molly Layden. Um, but again, this, this is working with the building principles um, yes. of what they can reduce. Yeah, and I want to just jump in. Um, the school-based Chromebook carts were given out in the Chromebook distribution. So the middle schools did give out some of their um, cache, their stash of Chromebooks to their students. Um, this identified area as a savings, again, at the time when the budgets were being originally done, this was pre-COVID, pre-COVID-19. So at that time, we were not having a discussion about being a one-to-one -one district initially when they began working on their budgets. 
So I just want to say that when um, the administrative team met and every administrator and principal was charged with looking at what was presented um, as part of their original budget and were there areas that could be cut for this coming year because of the crisis that we're in right now, this was the area that was identified. They do realize that now that we have um, the potential with the CARES money to possibly actually get to very close to a one-to-one -one device, this was an area of identified redundancy. So that was where each principal was able to say um, that if you take away the 12,000 that was um, earmarked to be additional Chromebooks to support testing so that you could have um, tighter testing windows and not have to have it spread out over extended periods of time because they would have more devices within their building. Okay. That's where this 24,000 comes from. Mr. I believe Principal Tucci is available for questions. Yes, Mr. Tucci, you have your hand raised? Yes, I do. And, uh, you know, certainly I, uh, I, I would say that we have actually handed out almost six Chromebook carts worth of Chromebooks to our students at the McGlynn Middle School. We have eight Chromebooks in total. So we, we do have some Chromebooks that are still left out there. We've made a lot of efforts in order to uh, get these Chromebooks out to our students and their families. And I feel very confident right now that we've done our due diligence where the students that need the Chromebooks at this point in time have them. So certainly it'd be nice to have some more Chromebooks for the future. But, um, you know, we were asked to consider areas where we could potentially tighten up and, um, you know, that was one of the areas we tried to identify. You know, we, we do feel confident right now our students do have the technology they need in order to um, thrive during the distance learning, you know, when it comes to Chromebooks. Thank you. Mr. Downs? Thank you very much. I'd like to uh, second Nick's sentiment. We know we've given out about four Chromebook carts worth of technology. We, we have nine total. So if there is a need for more Chromebooks, if we do in fact do more distance learning, I feel confident we're able to provide for any student that would need a device to do so. Thank you for your time. I do appreciate it. And I believe Ms. Patterson, you did mention that we are gonna be purchasing more Chromebooks with the CARES Act funding. And will, will some of those Chromebooks be going to our middle schools? We're gonna be evenly dispersed, I'm assuming. Again, I do not have the full layout of what the anticipated purchase of the Chromebooks and or where the list of priority is for dispersing them, but it was, it's been identified that um, a good amount of the funding will go to technology and devices. And I would um, defer to Molly Layden on the distribution of those devices. Really be in this in the next uh, meeting we have a little bit more of a report as well on um, the breakout of how some of that CARES Act money will be used. I'm not sure if Molly is on this um, call. If so, she is. Okay, she is. Miss Layden, and then um, Member Graham. Hi. Good evening. Um, afternoon. I guess I am. Um, I we're going to talk at the next part about the CARES Act. Um, but a lot of that money is allocated for Chromebooks. Um, and we just, in terms of numbers, the McGlynn Middle did give out about 135 devices and the Andrews gave out about 65 devices. So um, they did have uh, more than they needed to give out. So in terms of distribution, they, they were okay so far, but we do have a fair amount of Chromebooks 
that are going to be covered through the CARES Act. And I assume we'll talk about that a little bit in the next meeting, but I'm happy to address those questions. Thank you. Member Graham? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I saw a significant amount of chatter on both the middle, across the middle schools about um, people who are making do without Chromebooks that were shocked and surprised that they were going to be required to be on, you know, eight or 10 Zooms a week when the DLP changed. So I don't believe that we can conclude that just because we've only given out a certain number of Chromebooks, that that's in fact all that we need. And we just need to be really aware of that as we go forward. So to my knowledge, the district has not done an inventory of which children have one-to-one -one devices at home and which do not and which have appropriate internet. So I would still like to see us do that so that we know for sure which children have their own devices at home and which don't. Um, but I also have a question about Study Island. I remember hearing about that during our um, budget reviews and what I heard was they have been, it has been critical during distance learning. So again, I'm gonna ask for a clear answer about how this harms student outcomes next year if we are facing down um, at least a potential partial year of distance learning. I can chime in and speak about Study Island. Study Island is, is certainly, you know, been a nice resource for us at McGlynn Middle School. We have uh, been using this for about three or four uh, years now as a primary means to assess students. We uh, build certain screeners where students take these screeners about two or three times each year in order to, um, you know, test them on certain standards to identify their level of proficiency in different areas. We use that data in order to inform us uh, which students might use need intervention and uh, what students might need intervention during times like our math skills class or literacy skills class or during our wind block, which is uh, another means of intervention. Uh, our teachers also might use this data in order to inform them of um, you know, how to instruct in it, uh, th these students during you know, the course of the school year. So the primary you know, means that we use Study Island at the McGlynn Middle School, and I know at the Andrews too as well, is through our screeners. Um, if needed, we can um, take a step away from Study Island and build screeners with another capacity. So we could potentially do that using something that would be more cost effective. You know, an added advantage that Study Island had what it was it added more than just a screener tool. It gave us the op option to um, you know engage students with some online platforms that some of my teachers at the McGlynn are currently using during this time of distance learning. So I just want to make sure I understand. I'm and I, I overall know that you guys don't want any of these cuts. I get that. I don't want any of them either. Um, but what I'm trying to understand is, can we really live without these things or are we just doing it because we have to cut the budget? So when I think about distance learning and I think about an online tool that can both assess and help remediate, that sounds like uh, not the same as like an exercise ball in a kindergarten class, but rather um, on par with a teacher in the classroom because we're talking about distance learning. So. That's just my perspective on this, but if, if you, if I, I think what you're saying is that you would build your own screener and intervention process that could be delivered via distance learning instead. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that is correct. So yeah, we would make do without it. It is, it is a nice tool to have, but if forced yes. to, you know, make certain cuts in certain areas, we would, um, you know, have to, you know, utilize other means to do that. 
So um, certainly it, it, it is, I'd love to, as a, as a you know, wish list item, keep Study Island. But I know the current crisis that we're in and budgetary constraints, you know, certainly have to have us um, force us to have to make some difficult decisions. And it would be my recommendation to, you know, potentially, you know, look to uh, do things creatively for next school year without Study Island if pressed to do so. And I, I want to just jump in, uh, Mayor Graham. I know that uh, Principal Downs is is um, Principal Downs is also waiting to say something, but. I think as we think about next year, our greatest focus is really going to be on instructional delivery from a human being, a live person, and not from a platform. And so Study Island is a good source, but can the teachers use the Google platform to create assessments and quizzes and have the information in one place? Yes, that can definitely happen. So I, I do want to say that. Um, it's the teacher delivering the instruction and that study island is um, a tool that can be used to support what the teacher is doing, but can we create some of that? Yes, we absolutely can. M Mr. Downs and then Ms. Chiesa. Uh, thank you. Uh, so to, to piggyback a little bit on what Nick said, for us at the Andrews uh, membergram, we've kind of moved away from using it as a tool uh, for teaching. Um, for instance, my math teacher is primarily focused on helping out with the new math curriculum, which uh, has had its own you know, challenges for the teachers. So she's really tried very hard to help them through that new math curriculum uh, and to build the skills up uh, using some of the skills that she's had as a math teacher for the last several years. And my ELA intervention teacher has really moved on into doing parts um, that aren't necessarily from a platform, but based on what students really need and to support, again, the ELA uh, curriculum. So for us, we've moved away from that as a teaching platform. We do use it as an assessment tool. However, for a year, if we need to develop our own, um, I feel that that's okay for a year uh, until we can figure out exactly which platform we're gonna use. And that's why you know Nick and I both uh, thought that for this year, uh, with other needs are going to come up that we could we could do without this for a year. Ms. Chiesa? I just wanted to concur what Mr. Downs is saying from for the ELA perspective. Um, I meet with those reading specialists every week and um, we do not use Study Island as the instructional tool. We just we use it as the screener and for progress monitoring. So just as the principals indicated um, completing, creating something else um, will be fine. They've been using other online platforms for instruction instead. Thank you. Mayor, sorry, I don't think you can see me. Oh, yes, no, I couldn't, sorry, Member Rousseau. Thank you. Um, I don't want to beat this dead horse too much, but um, you know, uh, September will be here in a blink of an eye. So who's going to do the development of these screeners that we will now have to create from scratch? Are the study island screeners, I presume, have a known efficacy that we can trust them? Um, how will we have any idea whether the screeners we develop from scratch on our own have any efficacy at all? And um, one of the things that we were really excited about math in the middle school that we were getting was that um, instead of having every teacher teaching a different program is that there would be a consistency that would allow us to know 
like from one classroom to the next, how is everything working? Where do we need interventions to assist teachers or teaching or whatever other things are needed? Um, if every, I just worry that without any kind of consistent screener, will we be able to get a report that says, you know, across the eighth grade, this is the results of the screener. And even if you can do that and develop it from scratch, I won't be able to go on the internet and find out whether that's good, bad, or in between. Um, and so I, I guess I'm a little concerned about like, hey, I just developed my own COVID test. Come on over. It, you want to trust it. That's your business. But um, it it's, doesn't seem like a good idea for us to suddenly become testing developers and researchers in the midst of what we're trying to deal with. Well, I'm going to beg to differ once again. I feel that I have highly qualified directors and under the leadership of Dr. Chiesa, who has been doing outstanding work leading not only our English language arts department, but also our history department, our humanities department combined. Um, prior to using uh, Study Island, it's now being used at both schools. It was not um, formally being used at both schools. So clearly um, the work of the teachers, the standards that are being covered, the literature books that are being used, the teachers are able to design their own assessments. Um, so whether it's Study Island or it's another name, um, it doesn't matter what the company is, if you don't have access to that, you have to create it. Like that should be within the expected toolkit, expected um, skill set of any instructor and the director um, leading the department. So I, I actually feel like, you know, this should be a non-conversation about Study Island because again, my priority for next year is going to be, how are we gonna be teaching our students, um, making up for the time that was lost and being very intentional about what content is being covered. And that's going to be the directors working closely with their teaching staff on what's going to be delivered to the students in an accelerated format or in a different format because of the lost time. Um, again, Study Island is a resource or a tool, but it's not going to stop the work from happening. The students will be prepared to take whether um, it's a state assessment or an in-house informal assessment. Um, they'll be prepared. And we do have informal assessments for other content area and we use it and we look at that data in other subjects as well. So I, I, I just wanna say, um, yes, we're saying for this year, we're putting Study Island on hold, but there are plenty of other resources that are available and some of them which are for free that are available that can be used and adopted by the district um, to give us uh, a, a quick a quick temperature check of how students are doing, how are they, um, you know, what are we doing as a district to progress monitor where the students are at? And that's something that highly skilled teachers are doing all the time, informal assessments at the secondary level, especially they use exit tickets at the end of every lesson, a highly qualified teacher will do some type of informal assessment in the here and now to figure out, do the students understand what was just taught or not? If the students don't do well on the exit ticket, then the next day they revisit the topic, they reteach it again. So Study Island, it's great to have it, but it's something that's extra. 
So I, I, I just want to say I, I truly trust the skill set and the leadership of the team. Um, and I, I also respect the decisions of the um, administrators. They were the ones. Um, we didn't say what could be cut. We said what areas could be cut. They were the ones who said that was an area that they could do without for next year until we get back to a better position. And when we are back in that better position, it may not even be Study Island. By that time, it could be another company that has better ratings and um, is able to do even more. So um, I just I just want to stress that to, to everyone this evening. Thank you. I just wanted to finish with one little bit of a response to that. Um, you know, um, every one of these things we cut, um, it is not unreasonable to think we could have done without them. Let's remember that because when we have better times ahead, um, the baseline will now be significantly below where it is today. And so, you know, when you're looking to add new things in a future budget, um, you will be looking at adding these things back at the same time as any other improvements you want to, to see in our district. Um, and they will be in competition with all of those improvements. So, um, you know, I, I mean, Study Island, if, if it's something we can do without for a year, then it's, it's a very reasonable thing for a taxpayer to wonder, well, why did we have it in the first place? Why did we not just do without it all these years at however many thousand dollars a year? That's a, not an unreasonable question. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think that when we look at things that we can cut and live without for a year, we have to actually be looking at them as can we cut and live without them for three, four, five, ten years? Because they don't come back. There's no like, we can't pass a budget that has like a, a, a springboard clause in it that like, once things are good, all these things just magically reappear in the budget. That doesn't, that's not an option. So I, I think we should see every one of these cuts as after they're done, we're not, they're, they're not coming back magically. They're coming back by tooth and nail as we battle all other priorities going forward. So that, that's one of the things that scares me about we can do without it for a year. Because that's not what you're, we're not going to do without any of this stuff for a year. Thank you. Member, um, Mr. Downs. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you for that, um, Madam Mayor. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to the superintendent's comments because we have been working on on different options um, prior to this budget. So um, I'm gonna leave it at that. Thank you, though. I appreciate your time. Okay. I have questions. Mem Member Vandekloot. Yes, um, Kirstine. I would like to, if if you could just back up a second. Um, when you started your initial presentation, you said uh, we had seven fifty. Five thousand in program-based reductions, and then a potential one point six million, which added up to two point three. But what is it? What is the um, over overall number that we're feeling we need to aim to at this point? What is our target in terms of reductions from the sixty-one million dollar budget we have? So we don't have a $61 million budget. We, we had closer to the, we have a $3.5 million gap to get to the 61.2. To get to 61.2, we need 3.5 million. Okay. I just want to be, want to be clear. Um, 
Christine, uh, I remember that uh, we talked about um, when we went through the vocational school slide, um, I remember that we talked about potential of Belmont students coming in uh, to vocational programs. Um, what amount of tuition uh, would we expect um, to get from those students? So that's a state calculation and they are, they've, I believe they recently adjusted the state, um, our ability to, to bill or invoice. And I believe it's roughly 11,500 per student. So there will be an offsetting revenue source to assist with some of the vocational costs. So we are, we are showing a savings in the, appropriation budget that we are asking for, but we are supplementing that with out-of-district tuitions and revenues. Okay, so how many, approximately how many students are anticipated? And could they still be cut by Belmont because of their financial crisis? So I believe the, I, I would defer to our vocational principal, um, Mr. Fallon, but the, the requirement is that vocational education is a, a mandated offering. And the superintendents of the sending districts approve and authorize those students to receive a vocational education by April of the subsequent year. So I believe by April, Mr. Fallon would have had a good um, count on the out-of-district students for potentially bringing them in. Christine, would, yeah. would you like me to speak? Yes, thank you. So right now I have five confirmed families from Belmont, which means they've turned in all the paperwork to us, which indicates that they will be coming and I have been in contact with the superintendent. So right now, the, the rate came out for FY21, it's 10,983, a little bit of a drop for us, but those students are confirmed. Uh, the superintendent can't deny that they come here because they have already been applied and been accepted. So we can bank on that money. That's not including our Everett students and the few that we have from Winchester and a few more out of district. Are those, um, is that revenue already accounted for in the plus column? Um, no. Christine knows about it, but we haven't put it on the public bill. No, okay, that, that's so. not a budget item. It's a revenue offset yeah. that, that we can we can defer in terms of closing a gap at the end. Okay, but it's important to understand that we do have some sources uh, of money. Um, would Curtis Tufts fall under that too? Are yes. there students coming into Curtis Tufts? We only have one placement, I believe. Okay. That's an out of district for the Curtis Tufts at this time. Okay. And now if um, I, there were some, as you went through the um, different slides, um, one of them was on the elementary uh, textbooks. Uh, what elementary textbooks are we cutting? If anybody could speak to that. There's $2,000 from each. Is there a particular, um, is it envisions? Is it, is it math? Is it, does anybody know? So I would defer to the elementary building principals on that. Um, this was uh, developed with Ms. Galusi, who's currently yep. the principal at the Brooks. So, excuse Ms. me, Mayor, Galusi. can you hear me? Yes, Ms. Galusi and then Ms. Kingsley. 
Sure. Um, so our textbook line was there. Um, the math supplies come from the math budget. What the elementary principals have been previously doing, the textbooks, um, the line was reduced, not eliminated. So part of the money is used um, for kindergarten handwriting books. And the rest, this is where we as elementary principals have taken money um, for Chromebooks. So it's not, this will not affect math textbooks at all. Will it affect the handwriting books for kindergartners or no? No, we have not eliminated it. We just took some of the money out. So it will be able to cover the kindergarten handwriting textbooks. Okay. All right. So we should, this is okay. Shouldn't worry yes. about this one. No, we should not worry about this. Okay. Um, Ms. Patterson, if you would bring up um, one of the other slides uh, on library, um, could you bring that one up? So where, yes, if I can go on, where are we getting 53,000 uh, in media supplies and textbooks? So the uh, new, the centralized amount for instructional uh, devices. We the original request was one hundred and seventy five thousand. So we've reduced that by fifty thousand as an adjustment based on all of the infusion of technology and technology funding from outside sources beyond the budget. So in, in lieu of 175,000, we are reducing that to 125,000 with the offsets of grant funding for fiscal 21. Okay, so I'm feeling a little concerned here and may be perfectly uh, um, clear to others, but um, we had said we needed uh, uh, 2,500 new devices to get us to a point where we were having one-to-one. Yet now we've seen a couple places where we're cutting devices. Um, and I guess they, to me, would have already been in the count of devices we had. Or, or are we saying this is money that we set aside for new devices and it's okay, we don't, um, they're not in the, they're part of the 2,500 count? So I don't know that the actual intent was a one-to-one -one device. Um, because that that amount of funding would be closer to the range of 1.5 million on its own. But what has been consolidated is the mechanism of being decentralized for the technology budgets and centralizing those under the library media area. So it's no longer chipping away where the elementaries have a Chromebook card, the middle schools have a Chromebook card. It's being counted and distributed and monitored under the umbrella of the library media department. And we've centralized the funding requests in that area. With the additional grant funding, the additional supplemental free cash, the additional COVID purchases, there has been a, a great infusion of technology dollars that has been applied for devices that have been uh, earmarked within the library media category. So I believe Ms. Molly Layden is on and she can speak further to that. 
Oh, I, I can answer that. So that money, that line item for 175,000, a lot of that line item was not specifically for new devices. It was actually for replacement as well as repairs. So there's actually a lot of a lot of things that are folded into that money. Um, this was obviously done before we were looking at going one-to-one, -one, but the money was not really allocated for new devices. It's a lot of it was repair. So as we've been putting more and more Chromebooks in play, we actually have had less need for some of our open lab spaces. And that a lot of this was repairing some very old machines. And so some of that is just t is shifting that over as well, um, as well as then other, other sources, hopefully through the CARES Act, that we'll get for some of those Chromebooks to add in. So... There's, and there's only about 3,000 was going to come out of um, new for, for library textbooks. And that was actually, it was a built-in increase, and we took the increase back. So, um, and some of that's because we're going more and more online with those resources for the library. So it was less for textbooks. I'm okay. less for school books, yeah. All right, moving on to the second bullet uh, on that page, uh, 23,000 confirmed nursing retirement. Are you saying, um, uh, I know we have a very experienced nurse um, leaving us, um, that her replacement, uh, that a new nurse will cost us significantly less? Correct. Okay. Ms. Kingsley? And, oh, sorry, go ahead. Met sorry, what, what is the nursing equipment, um, which is not going to be um, purchased? Off here? Yeah. So well, I... I, oh, Miss Gray is on. Christine, would you like me to address yeah. that? Yes, please. Okay. Um, the, the nursing equipment is, um, we. I was looking to replace some what are called AMBU or resuscitation bags. Um, we use them during emergency situations if somebody is unable to breathe for themselves. Um, they are starting to age and um, lose some of their integrity. Um, I think we can uh, likely um, delay that purchase for a year. Um, the other alternative is I may have funds from my um, state grant um, that I will be able to use next year to purchase that equipment. Okay. Obviously important though. Okay. Um, thank you. One, absolutely. I'm sure my colleagues might have questions, um, but you know, yep. I can keep on thank going you. too. We can keep going through the slides too. I just let Miss Kingsley um, speak. I know she wanted to speak on a, something a few minutes ago. Thank you, Madam Mayor. And we've we've moved on, but I just wanted to clarify that we currently have one full time freshman, so we would anticipate she remain with us, uh, enrolled at the Curtis Tufts uh, from out of district. We also have a forty five day placement that we are assuming will continue as a full-time student as well. Um, so that's two tuitioning in students at the rate of 225 a day or 40,000 a year, just as a, or 40,500 a year, just as an additional revenue source. Thank you. I have more, I mean, uh, I have more questions if... Um, yes, Member Vandekloot, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I have questions as well. Right. Um, perhaps it would be easiest, uh, I know I took us down to a particular area, but if we could, on the slides, go back. Um, I think we discussed the second one. Okay, yeah, that's... I think we're on, yeah, number six. Okay. Um, 
All right. So already we're seeing in, uh, this is um, area 014 ELL. Uh, already we're seeing a uh, known retirement. Um, is the thought that person would not be replaced? Or is the difference between a senior teacher and possibly a new teacher? That's correct. So the position will remain, but the salary amount will be uh, significantly lower mm -hmm. from what was previously presented. So that would be a savings. Okay. Um, and um, is Mr. Texera here? Yes, I'm here. Oh, hi, Paul. If you could just address the other two, the SEI materials and textbooks. So uh, one of the things that we got um, this year was our own photocopy machine, which allows us to copy the materials and actually it's, it has a lot to do with um, testing the students. So rather than purchasing them, they are open. We're not violating copyright laws. Um, and then with textbooks, I've been slowly replacing you know, placing out the older textbooks uh, with newer ones. And so we would just put a pause on that. And, you know, we'd still have textbooks, but they wouldn't be new condition. Okay, thank you. Member Graham. So I had another question about the middle schools that we moved by. Um, does that does this um, include or exclude our plans to hire another health teacher for the middle schools? So the health teachers are part of the health phys ed department, not in the middle school budget area. And so do we plan to hire that person or not in the health budget? So additional uh, staffing was identified under the, the other category. Um, so we presented the level uh, FTE counts as they currently are without additional staffing. So then no. No, and it, w it wasn't in the middle school budget. Uh, and it was not presented in the phys ed health budget as additional staffing. So that means we will not be expanding our middle school health curriculum to include sex ed next year. Is that what that means? No, that is not what that means. How will we do it without the teacher? Well, when we right now what we're doing is looking at where our preliminary cuts are being made we have not yet gotten to the point nor have we um, impact bargain yet um, with any of the collective bargaining units so when we get to that point if the school committee says it's a priority to have a health teacher health teaching position at the middle school then that position would be at the middle school Another position may be gone, but that position would be added. So it is not off the table is what I'm saying. The health positions can be added. Um, but right now what we're looking at is just the preliminary set of cuts as we are um, working towards that number of the $3.3 million gap that we need to um, address. Yeah. I hope that's helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just, um, this is a procedural question really, I think for the superintendent, I'm not even sure who, but since we did vote to actually have this happen in the middle school, if the, 
if there's going to not be a hiring of that position, I would expect that you have to come back and ask us to reconsider that vote, right? Yes, but I, I know that that's definitely a priority of the school committee, so that's on my kind of mental priority list, but we still need to, you know, go through this process. Thank you. And so um, on the EL page, um, I think Mr. Texera asked for an additional teacher at the high school. So, so that position also is not funded in this moment. Is that right? Correct. Same as the health teacher? Yes. Yes. Mayor. Member Russo. Thank you. Um, I, I was talking about this earlier with somebody about how, um, you know, we get our budget books um, and you know, this is an unusual year because we're not physically together. Um, but, you know, typically the budget book as we're being handed the packets by Ms. Patterson, we're building this gigantic binder. And then that ends up being the budget. Um, given that that may not be an appropriate process um, I mean, the stuff we got before COVID obviously may not end up being exactly what we have. Um, I just wonder, or I would just ask that we all get a brand new actual binder of the documents that are the real budget. Because I don't want to have to hold up 300 pages to the light and try and figure out what's different on this page and what's different on that page. Um, I reference this book multiple times a week in just the two and a half years I've been on the school committee, and I, I definitely don't want to be referencing a book that is actually the wrong one. So thank you. Yes, we definitely will get an updated book once we have our next two meetings. I agree too. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. So um, are we now ready to discuss program area uh, 016, special education? Yes. Um, so, uh, Kirstine, you said the 200,000, uh, was, we were taking money that would be normally paid out of next year's budget and taking it and paying out of this year's budget. But I was thinking that we had a shortfall this year. Is the feeling that the shortfall would be better to have a larger shortfall this year? Um, could you speak to that? So as the invoices are being paid out and liquidated, uh, we the shortfall shrinks. So what we what I'm trying I've already identified the you know ability that you know 1.2 to cover all of those is still in a comfort zone for the other accounts and and that's what we are um, using as a barometer here and the anticipated prepayment of some of the out of district tuitions for the months of July and August would significantly help going into fiscal year 21. It does not mean that they are getting any reduced services. It means that we are paying for them differently and being able to utilize and carry over more from our circuit breaker by prepaying from our current fiscal year of 2020 budget. Christine, are you saying that you project at this point that we'll have a balanced budget at the end of this year? A balanced budget? I, I honestly can't say where we're landing. I mean, as each warrant passes, we have different amounts that are liquidating. I'm still going to have to cover revolving accounts. You know, I still have uh, 
400 receipts and revenues that haven't um, come through for for our revolving accounts that will need to be covered. So this is part of the normal end of year closeout process. And what I'm identifying is that I believe that we can utilize $200,000 currently with all the POs and that are being liquidated in order to prepay and prepare for fiscal 21. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Any questions about slide eight? Mayor, oh, we, we, Member both. McLaughlin. Member McLaughlin. Thank you. Um, did I miss this in our packet for the for the deck? Um, we actually chatted online to ask um, if it can be emailed to us as well. It would be helpful to not have to um, slave to the on screen and be able to look at it. Did I miss it in our packet? And if not, can it be emailed to us, please? It yeah. can be emailed. Um, Christine? Yes. Uh, so for the social studies textbooks, um, can we ask what year that 10,000, um, what, what year of instruction does that impact? And is that, are those the new civil, um, civil rights, um, I might be saying textbooks? So I would defer to Dr. Chiesa on the specifics of which particular textbooks. Hi, can you guys hear me okay still? Yes. Okay. Um, the textbooks that we were referencing were not for the civics, um, which I think you were just asking. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so the what civics for grade eight, the civics is all set. We were able to make some really solid uh, fiscally responsible decisions. Um, the textbooks that we're referencing right now would be for grade nine and 10. Those are older textbooks. However, I feel comfortable pushing that request off till next year because the scope and sequence for social studies will not officially change until one more full school year and the books will um, suffice for this year again grades nine and ten and um, the other one is the ancient civilizations textbook which we just purchased for grades six and seven there was a component to it but after speaking with my six and seven teachers multiple times, we have not been using one piece of it. So I do not expect to need that purchase for next year anymore. Does that answer the question? Yes, thank you. Member Graham. Um, how old are the textbooks that are currently in circulation for um, grades nine and 10? They're older. They are, um, this question was asked um, at the last school committee meeting. I believe I said at the last school committee meeting, and I can't remember off the top of my head, um, they are in the early 2000s. So they are older. They are World History One, which is medieval time, and World History Two. Um, we also, though, because they are older, we do use a few other online subscriptions um, that would still be available um, to me next year and to the teachers to help supplement. So we have History Alive and a few other 
ones that are constantly updated to um, to deal with the fact that these books are older. So I, I do want new books for grade nine and 10, but I don't need them this coming school year, um, especially given that, that the change won't fully impact grade nine and 10 until the following year, the change in the framework. And um, the ancient civilizations books, how old are they? Those are brand new. We were able to purchase um, classroom sets this year for grades six and seven. Um, but one facet of the textbook, we don't, we will not need. There was an, there was an additional piece to that textbook that we were anticipating we would need. And we currently do not need it. So the ancient civilization books for grades six and seven are brand new this year. And the civics books are brand new this year as well. Um, grade 11 had new books two years ago. And so it's nine and 10 that are going to need an update. But that update is not essential for this year, given that the framework won't officially impact the high school until um, school year 2021. And um, I'm just looking back at your narrative from what feels yep. like I'm on mine right ago. now. Yeah. Um, when you say there was a component that's not needed, is it the online component that we're doing away it, with? It's the online component and one other piece. Um, we set all the students up. Um, mid before the pandemic for the online component for ancient civilizations and um, the teachers have noted that they that they are not utilizing the online component now that online component is not for the teacher it was a separate subscription for each child and the students um, the way that the teachers are assigning the work through google classroom they are not utilizing the online subscription right now for the students, um, nor when I've, when we've done several surveys of the teachers, nor do they feel that they're going to be able to use it for next school year um, without, you know, having the students right in front of them to refer to. What they did need was the textbooks, brand new ones. Um, and they also have their older ones as well, because grade seven has certain regions that aren't spoken about a lot. We also do have Newzella, um, which is online and which does cover those regions that we have not been able to utilize. And Newzella is something that we would need to keep. It is the online tool that the teachers are finding the students are engaging in the most um, and adding in another layer of a subscription is, um, is not helpful right now to them, is the feedback that we've gotten. So I'm gonna be really honest, I'm struggling to understand in general, why we would be taking away online resources for next year. I mean, the reality of our current um, teaching, I think, tells us a lot. So we have teachers who are at home, they have their own children, they're not mm -hmm. able to be on Zoom, much to the chagrin of many, many parents in this district and nationwide. They're not able to be on Zoom, nor do I believe that's, from a personal standpoint, that that's effective, but they're not online teaching new content all day long. They are relying on tools and other methods of instruction. And I'm deeply concerned that we're taking that we're taking away electronic means for education because whether or not we are in school next year or we are out of school, um, I don't believe there will be grace around covering all of the standards that we have enjoyed this year while we all sort of work out the kinks and get this right. So it's going to
I believe that we're going to be called on to educate kids as though they were in school for a full year, except we're going to be in the same predicament we're in right now. I just don't, yeah, I don't know what gives because what I hear from teachers is that they have never worked so hard in their entire lives trying to sort this all out. And now we're going to take tools away from them. It just does so not. I share, I share the same concern with you. Um, however, the online tools that the teachers are utilizing is our Newzella, which I want taken away. Um, and the online subscription for the brand new ancient civilization textbooks, which we, um, we're able to purchase because we had some additional funds. So we purchased them this school year. Um, the students and the teachers are not making use of that online subscription. So I, it's not something that will be taken away. Um, I would like to see them using it eventually. But right now, I think some of the feedback is there's a lot of different online components. And so it's getting confusing to maneuver between all the different online. So the Newzella and the History Alive, which are both online, have been those online tools that the teachers have plugged for Google Classroom. It's just not simply being um, utilized by the teachers or the students at this time. That, that just that component for the ancient civilization textbooks. But the other ones, the Newzella and the History Alive, those are the online components that we've been relying heavily on and that I would you know, absolutely need whether we are in school or not in school um, physically next year. Thank you for that. Hi. Thanks. Can I just follow up? Yes, Member Van de Kloot. Yeah, so in, we had received a, a letter, the whole school committee, I think, did um, asking us um, about uh, online learning programs um, for use for the summer. I know it's a little off topic, so I'm not going to go into it, but they mentioned like the FOSS science, splash math, uh, Lexia, whatever. And so um, if we can continue to provide those programs for our parents this summer, it's an incredible, um, uh, you know, something we want to do. Um, so I, I just, I'm throwing it out now and um, I'd like to speak more thoroughly about that at another time. Um, to get back to the question at hand, um, and again, this sort of is a, the wider picture, um, these are all, um, you know, uh, programmatic cuts that we're seeing, and we're not talking about any personnel cuts at this point. Um, none of those are being brought forth to us at this point. We're almost near the end of our session. Um, is that because we're going to discuss them first in executive session? Um, I'll let Dr. Edwin Vincent speak to that, but that's what I'm assuming. Yes, so we will be going into executive session today and we have a few topics to discuss. So that will be um, one of the topics that we'll be discussing when we're in executive session. Okay, I think it's critical for um, our listening audience to understand that um, you know personnel accounts for about 85% of our budget. Um, the, in fact, this is a very small percentage overall, but yet you can see the... Um, uh, what we're talking about. Yes. Thank you. And I think we have a few couple more minutes. Uh, yep. Member Russo. Thank you. Um, I just, one more question about this, um, the social studies um, online stuff that we were just discussing. Um, so I guess my question is, is so it's new this year. Um, I'm wondering what the, you know, Miss um, Katie, you said that 
you, you would like to see it actually getting used in the future? What's the, what's the challenge of getting that so that it's actually in use right now? And then if it's that they just don't like it or something, um, then why wouldn't we just cut it permanently? So we need to give them a little time to acclimate um, to using a textbook online, the teachers and the students. I think some of that requires, you know, the students sitting there in the classroom with the Chromebooks working with the teachers to navigate through the book. The students do all ha do have copies of the tech, physical copies of the textbook as well. Um, the other thing I failed to mention is that because this was a brand new purchase, I do have a very, through Pearson, I do have a very good relationship with them. So, you know, if Pearson comes to me and says, we can extend this, and, and I've, I actually have a meeting set up with them tomorrow, there is a possibility that we may be able to extend this as like a pilot for next year as well, so that the students could have more time to get acclimated. I mean, as a mother of four kids trying to get online, I know it's a lot for a parent to get online with the students. So time um, and some train, some additional training for our kids and teachers will be useful with that. Um, the other thing too is, I know that the Lexia was mentioned, those we're trying to extend those through the summer as well. Uh, we know we have them till at least the end of July and we'll, uh, we'll push to keep them a little bit longer if possible. Cause I know those are making good use both at the elementary and the middle school level. Thank Hopefully you. that answered your question. It does, yes. We are heading to the 5.30 mark to go into our regular scheduled meeting through the other link if there's no Eric further Kern? questions. Yes. yes. Madam Mayor, I just had to um I just yeah. want to mention just one um one thing on slide one. Um yep. you know I, I ditto what um Mr. Russo and um Ms. McLaughlin mentioned about um the school committee. Um you know I was a little you know taken back when I saw that that wasn't coming. Um but I just I just wanted to mention that um you know we all put in a great amount of time and effort I mean, every day of the week, you know, Monday through Sunday, and, um, you know, we're all working very hard and, um, you know, and, and I know I understand, like, if it has to happen, it has to happen. And I was just wondering, is there any chance that, you know, something might change if we got additional money from state or federal funding? Would yep, our yep. salaries kick in again? It doesn't sound like the school committee is in favor of that. So I'm, I'm going to suggest we digest this um, mm -hmm. and decide on which to accept and not accept um, at, at our next meeting, or I'm sure we'll have plenty, many meetings this, this month. Yeah, I think it, everybody's in agreement with that. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. So is there a motion on the floor to adjourn? Motion to adjourn. Adjourn, second. By Member Graham, seconded by Member Kratz. Roll call. Uh, uh, Graham. Yes. Kretz? Yes. McLaughlin? Yes. Mastone? Yes. Rousseau? Yes. Vanderkloot? Lungo Kern? Yes, seven in the affirmative.